You are listening to Hyperdive, a Star Wars podcast, where each week we will be taking a deep dive into a galaxy far, far away, talking about all the latest news from Lucasfilm, movie reviews, and hopefully entertaining analysis of the greater themes of the Star Wars saga. We would be honored if you would join us. I'm your host, Josh Morgan, and there are officially 561 days until the release of Episode 9. On this week, Episode 2 of Hyperdive, we're going to be analyzing A New Hope. We're going to be looking at that movie scene by scene, ripping it apart, and trying to pull out all the spiritual themes that are held within. Before that, though, we're going to give you our all-time ranking of every Star Wars movie. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and that's it for my intro. Okay, before we get down to business, we're going to give you guys something none of you are asking for, our Star Wars ranking, because I feel like the two hosts of a Star Wars podcast, um, like their rankings of all the Star Wars movies should be out there, right? Yeah, you should know like their, kind of their background, just like you would anybody, like any any content you consume, you're like, I want to know what else they think right. before I like right. submit to other opinions. we're very interesting people. Right, absolutely. And all of our listeners. Yes, mom. All 20 listens mom. that we got last week. People are going to want to know, right? We got to give the people what they want um, because we're very interesting guys, as I've already said. So, Riley, what is your Star Wars ranking? Start at the bottom and work your way up. Okay. Uh, So, the worst one, Empire Strikes Back. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, No. uh, Are we including Solo or no? Let's include Solo. You really? Let's do it. Okay. Do you know where it's going to be on yours or are you going to just like... I'm just going to throw it in there. Oh, that's that's so dangerous. I know. It's like really spontaneous. It'll change next week. It'll be <laughs> fine. It'll be okay. fine. Anyway, uh, so 10, I guess. That's yeah. the lowest one. Attack of the Clones. All right. Attack of the Clones. I was talking to you about this earlier. Yeah. Worst movie, best toys. Worst movie, I think that's the best first, toys. Those are the first toys that I got as a little kid. They're like dope. Star Wars kids. Uh, I think that might have been the, the first and only, like before these new ones, mm-hmm. only Star Wars movie of the prequels that i saw in theaters when i was a little kid oh, okay and uh, don't re- i didn't remember any of the actual movie but i remember going to toys r us and being right. like oh i remember that and i remember that and mm-hmm. I, I think as a little kid i was like this was so cool oh yeah because of the toys and then i rewatched it later and i was like i was an idiot little kid <laughs> <Terrible>. <laughs> like i didn't know anything um <clears throat> that Django fett toy was dope oh oh yeah came off, absolutely amazing okay yeah, amazing. yeah yeah uh so 10 attack of the clones okay uh nine uh, Phantom Menace. Okay. And the only reason the Phantom Menace isn't 10 is because of Darth Maul. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, yeah. Because it didn't have nearly as good of toys, but that character individually, I feel like. The Darth Maul such toy a good, was yeah. dope. Darth Maul's super cool. Yeah. Uh, Man. Good memories. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler. Darth what? Maul. What a father figure, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so um, great. So, nine. Phantom Menace. Eight. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. I have all the prequels, like okay. bottom three, yeah, as, bottom three. <laughs> as they should right. be. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think that one my, of the three was just like the most complete movie to me where For I sure. was like, okay, it took like two super long movies to develop the characters like the way that they were. Uh, and they actually had some like, uh, 
direction with, with, with what they were doing. So I actually feel like that was an enjoyable movie. It wasn't like great, but I was right. like, okay, this one, I, I, I think I can get on board with this. Right. There were some uh, emotional parts, emotional yeah. high points. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I that think. worked a little bit. <laughs> that worked. Uh, so that's 10, 9, 8, right? So yeah. seven. Uh, I think this is where I would put Han Solo. Okay. That like, not because, so the bottom three are the bottom three because they're bad. Yeah. But seven up, it's just because the other ones are good. That's why right. like these are getting pushed. Right. So I think Solo at seven and Rogue One at six. And that was like really tough. Cause I yeah. really liked, I really liked both of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they both like going into them. I was like, oh no, I'm scared. Cause it, so many people have said these are going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up liking them and I was like, did I like them for good, like good reasons or, you know, um, but I think Rogue One had a more difficult situation because you kind of knew what what had to happen, mm-hmm. but it was still suspenseful, still interesting. Um, I like K2SO but more than I like L3. Okay. Um, but uh, I think maybe Solo had better characters overall, but Rogue One I liked, I liked more. So seven, Solo, six, Rogue One, uh, five, The Force Awakens. Oh. Okay. Um, because... Uh, it's mostly tied around things that have to do with the new hope mm-hmm. um, because I feel like it's pretty much just a new hope again. Okay. Um, and what puts it up above other movies are like Ray and Poe and BBA. Like I, I really yeah. love them so much. Um, and it, and it also, it's like an added benefit of it actually being like growing up, liking star Wars was kind of like your, Oh, my parents liked this or like other generations mm-hmm. liked this. So it's, it's not really my thing, but it's one of my interests. Mm-hmm. And there, and when you would talk to people about it, it, it almost felt like you didn't own it. Mm-hmm. And it was like you liked something somebody else liked too. Right. So this, to me, I feel like the new ones were, this is your thing. Like it came out when you when you were in your you like mm-hmm. movie watching prime, you know, 23. Yeah, you get to your go movie. see it in yeah. theaters, all the hype. Um, so I really like Force Awakens. That's four uh, or five. Four is uh, Return of the Jedi. Okay. And uh, the, I'll, I'll just give you like four, three, two, one, and then talk about all of them all at once because I right. feel like this four to one is very, very close. Oh, okay. Um, so four, Return of the Jedi. Three, The Last Jedi. Two, A New Hope. And one, Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Um, I know everybody has Empire Strikes Back as number one, pretty right. much. Unless, you, unless you're about to not say that and no, I look like an idiot. Yeah. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I am way higher on The Last Jedi than a lot of the people that are around me i don't know mm-hmm. uh, again i don't know what you're about to say so i could just like contradict uh, yeah. you know everything um but i i was with, with one of my roommates we saw it together and then the next time that we saw it he was like actually it turn, turns out i don't like it as much as i thought i did so and it, and it seemed like that was like a broad opinion like people yeah. that i worked with were like this is a bad movie and, and all this stuff and i was like ah, i don't know yeah. <laughs> I, I liked it and then i saw it again and i still really liked it um right. a new hope i feel like has its own special place because it kicked the whole thing off. Like oh, you have to sure. give it a lot of credit it's for starting. Yeah, yeah. Like that is the star Wars movie. And, and if you just like pulled people, they're probably going to give you like the wrongly worded line mm-hmm. from empire, uh, and stuff from a new hope, like all of stuff yeah. from a new hope. Uh, and then empire strikes back. That's just like such a great movie and all the stuff that we're going to talk about, I think in terms of like themes and plot mm-hmm. and like, uh, journey, purpose, all that stuff. Yeah. It's like all in Empire Strikes Back. Really, really good. What, what yeah. is what is yours? I've been talking okay. for a while. All right, so here we go. Starting out at number ten. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Attack of the Clones. Nice. 
Nice. Big surprise, big surprise. Um, Attack of the Clones, it, so like when I haven't seen that movie for a while and I'm just thinking about it, I like it, right? I like the prequels. Um, I don't love them. I don't think they're the best by any means, and you'll see that in my ranking. Hmm. But I like them a lot. Um, they're still Star Wars movies, yeah. which is, I love Star Wars movies. So I like Attack of the Clones when I'm not thinking about it. And then once I see it, I'm like, I see all Oof. the things. I'm like, man, like what a missed opportunity. Yes. But there's still awesome moments like in the gladiator arena or whatever in that Coliseum when all the Jedi come out. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. I like all the stuff that Attack of the Clones adds to the Star Wars universe. Yeah. But just not the way that it added it. For there. sure. Like, For like sure. I'm super glad all that stuff is there. But uh-huh. let's not talk about how it got well, there. And I kind of like there's like that scene in um, Attack of the Clones where they're in Coruscant. And they're kind of like, there's that chase scene um, through the streets of Coruscant or whatever you want to call them. Mm. And I like that because it, it was something that we've never seen before in Star Wars. Hmm. And it had this cool kind of like detective vibe to it. And I really liked that part of the movie. And then it got into where they all split apart. And when it, so it just kind of falls apart, hmm. I think. Um, it was like five different movies in one, which is a lot of Star Wars movies. But but not, yeah, they don't like mix well. Yes, like some other... Well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 10. Nine is a Phantom Menace, but I love Phantom Menace. Really? I love it. I It's this nostalgic part of me hmm. that when I was a kid, I went to see Phantom Menace in theaters and like it was new Star Wars and I had already like seen, I've already worn out my original trilogy VHS tapes hmm. like a hundred times before. So the fact that there was new Star Wars, yeah. and I was I was a kid, so Anakin being like a little kid was fine for me because it was like I was at that age, so it felt like I was in a Star Wars movie. Hmm. I, I, I don't think I was as annoying as little Anakin. Um, I hope not. Maybe I, I probably was. Um, <laughs> I probably was. Did you race? Yeah, I raced. I was the only human who could do it. Yeah. So I race all the time. You're just ra- yeah. What else were, who else were you racing? Like, like dogs? Yeah, with my feet, yeah. It, yeah. I lost a lot, but I was the only human who could do it. So that's true. Um, I was a pilot, you know. I was a pilot, you know. Yeah. So maybe, it's, maybe it's the, it might maybe be the most were, quotable. Maybe you were like little Anakin. If we're if we're going by quotable movies here, like a fan, the Phantom Menace might be number one, but it's number nine for now. And uh, number number eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've thought about this a lot. Oh gosh. I'm gonna put at number eight Solo. I like Solo a lot. It's a ton of fun. It's nothing against Solo to put it at eight. I like all the Star Wars movies. Your tone sounds real defensive right um, now. I think there's a reason for that. It's because you know deep down it shouldn't go there. I don't know. I like it. I like it there. I like it there. So here's my thing. Like, Solo's amazing, um, but when you – it's the stakes are so low in Solo mm-hmm. that for me – Nice. What, what? The stakes are so low. Oh, hey, yeah. Listen, it's just it just happens. Does somebody have an air horn? It just happens. Yeah, hey, I'll edit it in. I'll edit it in. Hey, there we go. That was my wife in the background. My, I almost called her my air horn. I'm not going to say that. Moving on. You did say um, it. So Solo's at number eight because the stakes are very low in Solo. Solo, Solo, Solo. They're so low. Um, unlike my number seven... Revenge of the Sith. Interesting. The stakes are very high in Revenge of the Sith. There are parts of the Revenge of the Sith that are like 
super CGI heavy, but I still like love the opening scene where there it's like the space battle over Coruscant. Oh, I'm a yeah. sucker for space battles. I love space battles. Yeah. So that's super cool. Yeah, for me, I, I really I we've talked about how much I play those Star Wars board games like right. X-wing. Right. Oh man, that it's like I'm like they talk about maneuvers and mm-hmm. attacks and stuff in the mm-hmm. same way, and I'm like, oh, this is good. But yeah. again, it's not like the whole movie. It yeah, that's true. That's true. I and I do really love when Anakin turns, I don't love it, but it's like, I that part works for me, Anakin turning, and like the tragedy of all of it, the epicness of all of it, mm-hmm. and the way it sets everything up. Um, I still, one of my favorite scenes in all Star Wars is when Obi-Wan drops off Luke on Tatooine. And I think it just, it sets up A New Hope so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it like leads into, like after you watch Revenge of the Sith, you wanna watch A New Hope, yeah. which is what it should do. And I think it does that the end scene better than my number six uh, segue. I'm going to be pretty good at this. I need an air horn again. Okay. never mind. All right. Um, <laughs> so my number six is rogue one. I think revenge of the Sith sets up a new hope better than rogue one. Really? Yes. Because it's kind of cheesy. I, I don't like the ending, how they just kind of go straight into it. Although I love that Darth Vader scene. It's yeah, I thought I thought that was really good. It was like yeah. shot for shot lead yeah. up to A New Hope. It, it leads into it, but I don't know what it is. I just think that, I don't know. I think the Revenge of the Sith, I like it leading Do you like, into it. Do you like there being more room? Like if Luke is a little kid when he gets dropped off, and then you see him next time when he's grown up. You, you do you like, I like having that. room to like imagine what happened in the meantime? Yeah, I do. Or, okay, that's yeah. fair. I think I some like that. people probably that might be like fifty fifty where people are mm-hmm. like, I, I like I don't want you to explain everything to me. Yeah. I, I wanna I wanna assume what happened growing up. And then there's some yeah. people that are like, no no no, there's a big hole here. What happened to him from age this to this? You and know? I think what it is is it's the sunset scene because hmm. when he drops him off, it's a sunset. Like one of the most iconic shots of all Star Wars is Luke looking off at that at the twin suns yeah. binary sunset. And I think that connects more nostalgically with A New Hope for me than Princess Leia walking onto the Tantive Four, I think it's called, yeah. and like sailing off or whatever. Like, so I think it's a nostalgic thing. Um, I like Rogue One a lot. Rogue One actually has a lot of the Force is heavily featured in Rogue One for Jedi and Sith not really being in it at all, yeah. besides Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. Um, it was a fun movie. I liked it. Do you think that's your favorite Darth Vader scene? No. What? Well, this. Uh, we'll, we'll get to my favorite uh, okay. Darth Vader scene. I'll mention it. Um, so, what are we? One, Matt, five? That was. Yeah, you did six, Rogue One. Yeah, six was Rogue One. So, five. So far, our only difference is having Solo at eight and. Yeah. Revenge of Sith. We're fixing to have some more differences. Oh. Go ahead. Okay, so five. So, my next five. I, I love all of them so much. So my next five like are my favorite movies ever. Like I will watch any of them any day of the week and love them. Hmm. Um, so that being said, there's still an order to them. And my number five is going to be The Last Jedi. But I love The Last Jedi. Okay. I'm not in the I'm not in the group <laughs> that's like Hating on like there's a lot yeah. of uh, tos- toxicity. It didn't feel like a Star Wars right. Movie. All the there's like do you hear about Kelly Marie Chan getting attacked on Instagram? Like she deleted her Instagram. The lady who pl- the woman who plays um, Rose Tico. Yeah, because she was getting so much hate. Jeez, which is just ridiculous. Like all this hate surrounding it. I think a lot of people don't understand that movie, mm-hmm. and they don't appreciate the ways that the last Jedi pushes forward the Star Wars mythos 
and it didn't just give us more of the same. It gave us something that felt like it was within the world of Star Wars. And I thought it was a good Star Wars movie. I mean, I have problems with it, but I have problems with every movie on this list, I think, besides yeah. maybe one of them. Um, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, Attack of the Clones. I don't have... For one. what it is, Attack of the Clones is the best movie ever made. I, I don't have one problem with Attack of the Clones. I have yeah. several problems. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so yeah, The Last Jedi. I love it. My favorite scene in Last Jedi is... Um, I just had it in my head. But I, I just love the whole last half of the movie mm. with the starting with the throne scene, moving into the confrontation between the Luke and scene. Kylo is just yeah. amazing. Um, some of the best Star Wars ever. So then my number four, I'm going to go with Return of the Jedi. And I love Return of the Jedi, bro. Like one of my, the best scene I think in ever in Star Wars, um, as far as just like fun and just like wonder as a kid watching it is when Luke Skywalker jumps off the diving board, does a front flip, catches his lightsaber, ignites the green, and just like starts murdering people right. um oh god sorry but it's so it's so iconic it's so good yeah like, it's amazing my favorite part of return of the jedi is that luke has fully evolved from a new a new hope to return of the jedi yeah we'll get into a new hope to luke. yeah from, he's evolved all the way from regular luke mm-hmm. to johnny cash luke right. that only wears oh, black yeah. And everybody's like, are you going to a funeral? And he's like, maybe, maybe, maybe it starts Vader's funeral. Yeah. He's like, I'm a Jedi, so I don't date. But if I did, (laughs) I would go on dates. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they would be nice. And not with my sister. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Yeah. That's another thing I love about Last Jedi, though. Luke's arc is fully complete. Probably one of the best. um, I think it's the best cinematic arc that anybody's ever gotten. Like in movies, Jeez. as far as a trilogy goes, I think it's the best arc ever. Luke Skywalker's arc from whiny farm boy to uh, Jedi Master. I don't know. Have you seen Wreck It Ralph? Hey, that's all right. I'm just kidding. No, that's good. That's good. All right. I was just at the beginning, yeah. he, all he wants, He's a hero. all he wants to do is wreck it. But yeah. really, it's this beautiful story of him putting things together. You know right, what I mean? Right. I love the last Jedi through and through. Getting back on topic. Um, <laughs> So what am I at? Three? Yeah. All right. Um, All I'm thinking about right now is The Force Awakens. I've been thinking about it since like six. I'm like, where where is this going to be? I love The Force Awakens. What is three? So number three. Oh, man, I struggle with it so much. But I think it's The Force Awakens right now. Three, because I struggle between A New Hope and Force Awakens putting it at three. Hmm. The Force Awakens for me was the perfect storm because we didn't think we were getting any new Star Wars. We thought that the prequels are going to be it. And then the Clone Wars animated TV show, which was great, but it's not the same as a theatrical release Mm -hmm. of a Star Wars movie. Um, So we never thought we were getting more. And and if we did, it wasn't going to be, like, good. Yeah. 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 I mean, the track record in Star Wars movies, it's like three good ones, three bad ones. So it's like you don't really know... Um, and George Lucas isn't involved, so it could be it could go either way. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was involved heavily with the prequels, but he was also involved heavily with the originals. And so he didn't really know um, the whole like everything leading up to The Force Awakens. Just I had so much hype, and I was so nervous that I was going to leave that movie and just be utterly disappointed by all hmm. of the expectations that I was placing on it. Yeah, I loved every minute of it. Hmm. I loved every minute of it. My favorite character. Um, I love Ray, but Finn is my favorite character in that movie. Really? Yeah. Is that? I love Finn. I'm a sucker for um, the the arc of like a coward 
like finding something to fight for hmm. and that's Finn in that movie and my like the best scene ever is when Finn stands up to I just I've said there's like five best scene ever <laughs> but it's just gonna be a thing that I do um when Finn like gets up and ignites the lightsaber to take on Kylo Ren because mm-hmm. you know he's totally he's dead yeah like there's no way that he can stand up to this guy um but he's doing it anyway, and he's like finally found something to fight for. And like Kylo Ren swings his lightsaber and screams, "Traitor!" Mm. Like I love that because there's a whole play with Kylo hates Finn because Finn like represents everything that Kylo doesn't want to be or is fighting against being. And mm. I just think that they play that arc between Kylo, Ray, and Finn so well. Harrison Ford does a great job. It's just it's a great movie, and it it's a fun Star Wars movie and. The reason it's so high on my list is because I had so so much high expectations for it, and it it just met every one of them. And I walked out mm. of the movie feeling like a little kid, smiling, loving it. Yeah. Um, but it didn't. I mean, granted, it didn't do this up the Last Jedi did, but just by feel like feeling what I feel, it's at three. And then two is a New Hope. I love a New Hope. I mean, like it's amazing. When I saw it as a kid, it just captured all of my imagination i love everything about it i love the slow moments in a new hope and i'll quit talking about that because we're going to talk about a new hope yeah, a lot tonight that's true. um but yeah number one is empire strikes back it's in my opinion like one of the best Very movies ever good. made it's incredible um everything from luke on dagobah with yoda and everything that yoda says which we're going to spend like two hours on just that probably we need to just what yoda says yeah just what yoda says it's incredible and we'll um, talk about it out of order out of order yeah it's right now actually for I'm calling respect, an audible. I, in respect yeah in respect to we're just gonna it's gonna not make sense at all who man yoda man oh god <laughs> that was an ad no. that was an ad that ran um during attack of the clothes like that ad oh, literally no. ran and in the ad you see yoda like igniting a lightsaber and the guy, it's like on Cartoon Network. I remember watching it as a kid. And it goes, Huda man, Yoda man. No. That was a freaking ad they ran for that movie. I would go see it just based off that ad. I would not. Um, <laughs> as like a six-year-old, I would have been like, no, no, thank you. Right. Thank you, sir. Right. I'll go yeah. watch, you I'll watch another movie. You and your taste, yes. you six-year-old. Um, okay, I so, just have all these old VHS movies. <laughs> I sound like a dad. Right. I'm like, I'm going to go watch the, the Bridge Over River you had Kwai glasses, again. Didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know. I don't like to talk about it. I know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I saw um, Best Vader scene is in this movie for me. Rogue One? No. I'm just kidding. It's in Empire. Whenever Luke is in the freezing chamber and Vader says, The Force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. And I'm like, chills. It's great. That was a terrible Vader impression, by that, the way. Um, but that was you know, here's what it is. I loved it when that was Jabba, actually when Jabba, Jabba the Hutt said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was translated, actually. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my ranking. Um, so we have a new hope. We both have a new hope at two. We both have a new hope what at two. A, what a clear transition that we value this movie that's right. equally. That's right. Before we're about to talk about it. That's right. We're going to talk about A New Hope tonight. We're going to break down the entire movie, just talking through all of the spiritual themes that are hidden within A New Hope. And not really hidden. They're pretty blatant in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing George Lucas said when he was at... I've watched an interview with it. I might tag the link in the show notes um, to this interview with George Lucas. But he talks about why the Force is so spiritual, why he made Star Wars so spiritual. 
and he talks about um, he, the interview asks him if if the force represents God, and he 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 talks about how he wants there to be spirituality in this movie because he wants to teach people to be spiritual. He wants mm. to teach young kids growing up to believe in something and at least wrestle with that. Yeah. Um, at least wrestle with the possibility that there could be something more. And so we don't like, we're both Christians. We're both coming at this from a Christian worldview, but we don't want to by any means hijack the spirituality of this movie to be like solely 100% Christian. Mm. We realize there's a lot of Eastern, um, a lot of Eastern influences, a lot of Eastern spirituality influences in this. And so we're just going to break down all of it and just talk through the whole thing. Um, so yeah, with that being said, let's just dive in opening crawl. Yeah. Best part of a Star Wars movie. <laughs> right. Right. It's amazing. The, the ninth best part. The ninth best part. No. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I told you guys like this is, this is how I am. Right? <laughs> this is I hype me. stuff up. All right. <laughs> so just get ready for it. I enjoy things. The okay. Crawl. Sue me. Yeah. You have to make those noises and um, read it at the same time. Okay, that's going to be hard. So, it is a period of civil war, Riley. Oh my god. Did you know that? Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire, which we now know as Rogue One. That's literally the the plot right there that's the script spoilers that's the script for rogue one right <laughs> um they turned that into a whole movie so that's great um so during the battle rebel spies managed to steal the secret plans to the empire's ultimate weapon the death star in all caps all caps menacing it's a big it's not a moon it's it's not a, a moon, moon would be like lowercase yeah and it brings death it's great. An armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Emperor by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save the people and restore freedom to the galaxy. So um, right off the bat, it just sets up so much exposition in like such a elegant way. You know, like you just read this three paragraph thing but like not even really three paragraphs it's probably like what six sentences maybe mm -hmm. and you already have like a really good understanding of where things are it's all very simple and one of the main things that sets up is from the very beginning is the struggle between good and evil yeah. which is just a massive theme of this entire saga um probably the one of the main themes and i i love this opening crawl i think it does it's so genius. It does such an incredible job for like what it's supposed to do. Um, but yeah, like it uses language like the empire, the evil galactic empire and their ultimate weapon, the death star and then pursued princess Leia. So like they use the, the terminology is all driving towards this idea of good versus evil. Mm -hmm. Like there's probably, there's no doubt right now who the good yeah. guy is, who the bad guy is. Yeah. Like, are you going to side with these evil em empire agents yeah. or evil a princess empire. that's yeah, a trying princess. to save the galaxy? Dressed all like, in white. <laughs> you know. Dressed all in white. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. They, the, um, the visuals in this movie are so well done because when you first see that ship flying over, your head mm. and you see princess Leia's ship and you see the galactic empire ship. First off, you know, which one's what, because it tells you in the crawl, 
but the Empire ship looks so evil. Like it just looks yeah. the way it's designed looks so menacing and evil. And Princess Leia's ship just looks like a good ship. Like yeah. I don't know how you can describe that. It just looks like a good ship. Yes, um, and that really and that job. I think again, yeah, it's just it sets the scene like you're saying. It's very simple. It's very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Like what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's what I like about all of it. Like, like design costumes everything is very oriented towards like you can look at these two ships and you can see like one of them clearly wasn't made to just like destroy everything like it like it's it's a warship but that like has other purposes Mm -hmm. too and then there's this one that is like purely intended for destruction Mm -hmm. you can tell that from just like your first look yeah the other thing is the size like the ratio uh mm-hmm. it, it paints that picture of like here's this gigantic gigantic empire yeah and it's very very small rebellion yeah. and if you were to watch rogue one before this and see how like delicate it was to get like right. death star plans there then you'd be like oh this mm-hmm. like the odds of them actually accomplishing this are very yeah. low yeah and another thing to the crawl sets up is that um it just it sets up that the there's an evil galactic empire it's big it's terrible it's awful but the rebels have just won a decisive victory so the rebels are like there's there's plans in motion things have been set in motion that are going to hopefully turn out to be something good Mm -hmm. like there's still hope so it sets it up from the opening crawl that there's hope involved in this movie there's an evil galactic empire but they just lost Mm -hmm. and it that's where we enter into this story and it's just so interesting to me that the story starts off with this massive, crazy space battle. And then just, what, like 20 minutes later, um, maybe 15 minutes later, we're with this farm boy. Yeah. This- and that's – so I think what I like about – what I like about Star Wars, what makes me like Star Wars are all the tropes. Yeah. You – very nominally, I think people would just look at Star Wars and say, oh, it's a sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. and then move on. And they would throw it into the same category with something like Star Trek. But I think those two things are wildly different. Right. And I think what makes Star Trek good is, like, the, the at least old, like, 60s Star Trek is, like, the, the questions they ask are, are very good, and yeah. they make you think. And, and the, the effects the aren't... The philosophy the effects, Yeah, the effects yeah. aren't very good. But when you watch an episode, you're like, man, I don't know what I would do if I were in that situation. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is not like that, and it's not very sci-fi. It's not. It's not at all hard sci-fi where oh, yeah. they're explaining how everything works. Um, <clears throat> but it's like a little dose of samurai movie. Mm-hmm. It's a little dose of western movie. Mm-hmm. It's a little dose of like Flash Gordon comic book, like mm-hmm. gu- like space gun wielding yeah. hero. And it's and it's a little bit of sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's all of these tropes wrapped up into this one big fantasy story that uh, really makes you like when you see it and although it's long ago and far away, mm-hmm. it feels really familiar from, yeah. from the jump. And you're like, why does this, uh, this yeah. shouldn't, they're, they're in outer space or whatever. Or yeah. They're on this weird planet with two suns and, uh, it shouldn't feel familiar, but for some reason it does. And it's because it's so, it references tropes that are common yeah. so much that you're like, man, I feel like I've seen this before. So I'm already a little bit attached. Mm-hmm. Then star Wars as a franchise has grown so much that it's become like self referential right. and like, and it mentions things that happen in its own universe. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, again, this feels really familiar even more so, you know? Yeah. So that's what going to like outer space to farm. It's like, how do you have those two things in the same movie? I think. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's very much so a fantasy and it, like you said, it it taps into something that's kind of 
um, inherent in all of us where we, I mean, most of us have grown up hearing these fantasy stories or we have these ideas of fairy tales mm -hmm. and Star Wars puts itself into that from the get-go where it has a princess <laughs> and a farm boy, which are like two ingredients that you absolutely need yeah. in a fantasy story. You know, like you, you need to have those if you're going to really tap into that fairy tale aspect. Yeah. And you also need a really scary bad guy, yeah. which is Darth Vader. Um, so yeah, like the imagery is all great. Princess Leia is wearing all white, her ship's all white. And then you see the evil galactic empire comes out and they're also wearing white, but they're wearing armor and it's like white armor here to protect, you know, here to, yeah. they're supposed to Which, be something, but they're yeah. actually evil. And you get that with their armor. Like, I think yeah. It's and then the dude comes out in all black. Right. And, and you're, you're like, like Oh God. <clears throat> so it, it's interesting that if in, uh, just kind of thematically, if you're saying like, Oh, this, this, well, this woman in all white kind of represents this like good cause, like mm -hmm. pure, like motives yeah. of like that. And then the, it's like a, an organization that's also dressed in similarly. Yeah. Uh, and then the one guy dressed in all black, that's very like menacing evil. It's mm -hmm. almost like this thing that was intended for good reason, um, was tainted by just like, like a small, but pure evil. Right. That kind of, manipulates and hijacks this whole like oh order order to the galaxy is not a bad idea but like an authoritarian tyrannical order mm -hmm. to the galaxy is a bad idea yeah you know yeah i it's so simple how they do it and like you're immediately thrown into the action you immediately get who the good guys are who the bad guys are and then they transition into their hero's journey story of luke skywalker mm -hmm. and it's so effective yeah. like if can you imagine if the movie just started with luke mm-hmm they would have to do all this extra exposition through Obi-Wan or something to try to like set the scene, let you know who the empire is. <laughs> and you know and it's happening. just old Obi-Wan on a couch. That's just like, no, and then there's this bad guy yeah. and he is a very, very <laughs> right. bad guy. Right. Trust me. Like yeah. really. And Luke's like, okay. And he's like, no, like, like really bad. Your dad. <laughs> like, but you're, you're going to get it later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's great. It's genius. Um, yeah. And then we, we get into Luke Skywalker who, well, first off, let's talk about the droids. Okay. <laughs> Cause I like one of the best things about this movie to me is the slow moments that it takes. Mm -hmm. The movie's not super long. It's definitely not as long as like the last Jedi or attack of the clones. Um, but it's, it leaves time for these long moments where, um, R2 and C3PO crash land on this planet. And then there, there's like a 15 minute scene where they're just wandering the <laughs> desert and they go opposite ways and they get, captured by these Jawas and it's just, mm -hmm. it's so much fun as a kid, you're looking at this and it just feels like this otherworldly type thing, Yeah, but it does feel very familiar. Um, so I love those slow moments in this movie and there's a, there's a couple of them. Um, and they get captured by Jawas and then they get sold mm -hmm. to Luke Skywalker and uncle Owen, which I think just introduces another, another touch point for this series of, the idea of fate and destiny, mm -hmm. which is massively important in the whole story and the entire saga. It's one of the driving focuses of it. And it's really the first time we, the force hasn't been mentioned yet. Really. Um, we've seen Darth Vader, but he hasn't really used the force. I mean, he picked that guy up, but you could say that was like, um, his mechanical arms or whatever, but the, we haven't seen the force yet. And this is really the first hints at it, but you don't really get it at first, yeah. but it's just the, the idea that this, this robot who's carrying these plans that have the, like they're the only hope the reliance the, the Alliance has to destroy this massive weapon and, and defeat the empire. 
um, just f- happens to fall into the hands of this young Luke Skywalker, yeah. who's just this farm, seeming farm, seemingly just a farm boy, mm-hmm. but later turns out to be extremely important uh, to everything. Yeah, and you, it, it kind of holds the force, kind of holds this like juxtaposition between really random mm-hmm. and really intentional at the right. same time, almost like always asking why is this happening to me? And like, well, of course this was going to happen to you the whole time. Yeah. Like at the same time. So, um, it could be like these droids land on Tatooine and that's a very random part of a very random planet. And they go to these really random people. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, it's like, okay, but that's so random that it seems intentional. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so like, that's our first introduction really to the force. Um, Luke Skywalker gets these droids, he's cleaning them up, and we just get this whole sense of Luke just, he wants to go out, he wants to go be somewhere else. He doesn't want to be on Tatooine anymore, yeah. right? He wants to go get power Uncle converters. Uncle Owen! Yeah, he wants to go get power <laughs> converters. Let's say what we're all thinking. At Tashi Station, he wants to hang out with his friends. Yes, um, he is the whiniest character. Yeah, he's super in whiny. pop culture he's canon. He's selfish, too. Yeah. Like, in, a, in the beginning of A New Hope, he is so selfish, he doesn't want to help his uncle. Um, which we've all been there. Like, I think we've all been in that place where when we're young and we want to get out, we want to go do something, yeah. want to make something of ourselves. Like you're fine, but you're not satisfied. Right. He's not satisfied. And he wants to, he wants to get out and see the world. He wants to have adventures and he's going to join the empire to do it. He's going to mm-hmm. join the academy. And you, again, that's another hint at, which is missed. I think a lot of times in the first viewings, especially that he wants to join the empire, but he wants to join the flight academy. He wants to be a, he wants to be a pilot. I'm a pilot. I'm a driver. <laughs> I'm a farm boy. <laughs> I'm a whiner. I'm a whiner. <laughs> I'm uh, a droid fixer, upper. I'm a, I'm a joker. I'm a power converter I'm a getter. I'm a <laughs> um, So he wants to, yeah. I don't even know what I So saying. I think that, that, that paints the scope of what's going on like in the galaxy really well. Because you could imagine any major conflict like that. Not everybody knows all the details yeah. too, because you're let in in this kind of like dramatic irony of you get to see right off the bat that the, the empire is actually evil, mm-hmm. uh, but not everybody in the universe knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who do have other really sensitive knowledge too, and they're the ones starting a rebellion. Yeah. Uh, but just your e- everyday average person living on like some random planet out in the galaxy, you probably know there's an empire mm-hmm. and you might've probably heard there's a rebellion, but you're not so invested in either side of it that you're not thinking about yourself. Like you're still yeah. thinking about what am I going to do with my life and how am I going to get involved and what's realistic for me? Uh, not every person you run into is going to be like, oh yeah, there's an empire, they're all bad. There's a rebellion, they're all good. Uh, and like, this is where I stand. And yeah. like, my whole life is committed to this. More more likely than not, you're going to find like Luke and, and Owen who are just like plucking away, like yeah. making a living as like moisture farmers. Yeah, moisture and, farmers. Uh, and they just don't, they just want to do something else, you know? And they're like, for Luke, the empire offers something that isn't, tattooing and so to him not knowing everything it's just like yeah i think i would rather do that yeah for sure and i mean that leads us into one of the best scenes i think in all of cinema history because of what it accomplishes is luke staring off into the distance um at the binary sunsets and that that jedi music is swelling in the background and it's just it's just beautiful and what it accomplishes is all of the exposition required to um to teach you that Luke like 
he's like Luke's a whiny kid, you know, and you, he comes off as whiny because of the exposition. He wants to get off. He doesn't want to help his uncle. Mm-hmm. He comes off as a selfish person. And then in that scene, you kind of see the heart behind it. Like you see the passion behind it. He's staring off into this beautiful sunset and he's just wishing that he could be somewhere else. And he's like, it kind of conveys all of these emotions of like, like doubt, um, insecurity, fear that he's going to be stuck here forever mm-hmm. and just desire and passion to go out and have an adventure. And it's such a good scene. Like I love that scene. Um, yeah. And then he finds out R2's lost. R2's gone. C-3PO comes up and is super annoying and is like, Sir, R2-D2's run away. He doesn't say that. Um, he says something like that. And you're going to get those impressions throughout the entire show, so just strap in. Um, but So then they go out, obviously, to go rescue R2, and they get attacked by sand people, which is just like, as somebody who tries to write things, as a writer of things, someone who's working on different stuff and coming up with names for different things. Um, that's one of the f- best things and worst things <laughs> I've ever heard. Star Wars has this kind of like evergreen quality to it, wherever it's like you could put anything into it and the fans will just latch onto it yep. and love it. But Sand People has got to be one of the worst <laughs> names to ever give something. It's hilarious. <laughs> The sand people are coming, and you look at them, they're not even, like, they have nothing to do with sand. What? They're just people. And they're not really people. Either. Yeah, you don't know what they are, because their faces are completely covered, yes. and they just scream. Like, total, um, I just feel like it's a total, like, Everything about them is, like, they've, pu- of, they've punted. Like, yeah. They don't have a good name. They don't really yeah. have a descript, like, an, it, they don't look like anything. Right. It's just, like, a, a piece of clothing yeah. with a dark face. And eyes. You can tell yeah. there's eyes because they're yeah. little lights. They have the little goggles or whatever. And it's just, it feels like a bad stereotype, honestly. It's of what? Like, <laughs> I don't know if like indigenous people or like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it kind of has that Western vibe where he's like going out, but he's like afraid he's going to get attacked. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does get attacked. And they like hit him. They, don't they hit him on the head with their like club? Yeah. No blood at all. <laughs> no blood. Like that fool would have been destroyed. That club was heavy metal, had a spike he- on it. I'm pretty sure. Heavy metal. It was heavy. It was heavy metal and heavy that's, metal. That's metal. Very, it was very metal. The sand people are very metal. People, the sand people are metal. Right. When I was a kid, and you see the banthas that they're riding, like the big. Oh things, yeah, bro. I thought those were real. <laughs> As a kid, I was like, that has to be real. <laughs> what are they? I'm gonna look them up on my dial-up internet. Um, and adopt one. It was great. Baby yeah, and then I found out they weren't real, and I was like, <laughs> I started crying. It was fine. Um, and then Obi-Wan, or a weird wizard character, uh, comes in. Yeah. Spoiler alert. And he starts making freaking crazy noises. Mm-hmm. It's just like, <laughs> I'm sorry if I just it's ruined your eardrums. Obi-Wan Kenobi impression yeah. I've um, never heard. Yeah, so he's like this, you know, this was so it's weird because like you have Western stuff going on with the sand people and Luke and, you know, like frontier feeling. And then you have a wizard coming in. Mm-hmm. It's just that melding of fantasy and all these different genres together, which is so Star Wars and so great. Um, Obi-Wan takes Luke to his hut and he realizes it's old Ben, which he's mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And we get to see old Ben. We get to meet old Ben. Um and this is really our first introduction to the Force. This is where we first hear about the Force. 
um, Obi-Wan and Luke have this incredible talk where they just, it kind of opens up the world to you a little bit. You get exposition about um, Clone Wars stuff. You get exposition about Luke's father, which is obviously really important to Luke. You get exposition about the Force, and really the first time we hear about it. Um, and this is what Obi-Wan says. He says, the Force is what gives the Jedi its power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us and binds the galaxy together. Oh my gosh, that was that horrible. Actual um, Obi-Wan Kenobi here? He's here. He's here. Alec Guinness came back. Oh my gosh. He's a Force ghost. Um, so, he, I mean, it's this idea of the Force being energy, which is a really, honestly, genius idea for George Lucas to do because he creates this spiritual force pardon the pun, um, in his world that isn't really a deity. And so when you do that, you don't have all the attachment and baggage that comes with that for a general audience viewing the movie. Because mm -hmm. in any given audience, you could have people who would really be drawn to the idea of a deity, mm -hmm. and then you would have people that would really be turned off to the idea of a deity and mm -hmm. really hate that stuff. And he does it in a way where he calls it energy. It's an energy field created by all living things, which is an Eastern idea. Mm. Um, it kind of flows in maybe Buddhism a little bit. Uh, everything's connected and the idea of nature and energy just connecting everything. Um, and it's, it's created by all living things. And it surrounds us and penetrates us and binds the galaxy together. And the idea of it being energy and not just a deity and it's not just something up there controlling everything, I think is such a genius idea from a writing standpoint. Hmm if you want to introduce spirituality into your world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause you almost start with the very, very base level. Like there's something. Yeah. It's a, it's it, and it's poorly defined at the beginning. Um, then you have this person who knows it really well explaining mm -hmm. it. And you're like, okay, even if I don't agree with everything you're saying, yeah, I do think there's something there's yeah. not like, there's not nothing, you know? Uh, and so it kind of draws people in to be like, uh, okay, I don't have to be all the way on board with this yet, uh, but I can at least accept it and be more interested in it and like find out more about what it's about yeah. and like how it plays into the, the overall story. I really like the beginning with Luke uh, because it talks about the hero's journey, mm -hmm. like uh, we mentioned earlier. And uh, there are these parts. So when I say a hero's journey, I mean uh, the book, Joseph Campbell's, Joseph Campbell's A yeah. Hero with a Thousand Faces. Mm -hmm. And he has these parts that are like 17 stages of mm -hmm. like the hero's journey. Um, and, uh, the first few, there are a couple at the beginning. My, my favorite two are, um, the refusal of the call and like the entrance of a mentor. Right. And, uh, those I feel like are painted so well in star Wars because it's not, it's not super linear. Like mm -hmm. some of these things are where it's like, uh, this guy shows up at your door and he reads you this letter. Like, Hey, I want you to come do this. Will you do it? And yeah. you're like, no, I can't do it. And yeah. then this other like, like stately fellow enters and he's like, you should do it and I'll show you how. And he's like, yeah. okay, I'll do it. You know, uh, it's more vague than that because a little bit of the call feels like the force. A little mm -hmm. bit of the call feels like the droids. A little bit of the call feels like Luke just wanting to leave. Yeah. Um, and also Obi-Wan telling him what's actually going on and stuff like that. And Obi-Wan's obviously that mentoring relationship and it blends those two things really really well together but i think what i really like about it is normally at the beginning of a story you get the comfortable status quo where everything's okay and then something goes wrong and then there's like a call to adventure 
Yeah. But in this story, the beginning is everything's fine, but everything's not okay to Luke. Like yeah. he doesn't want the status quo to continue on the way that it is. Yeah. To him, it's uncomfortable. And then you, ha- <clears throat> then you have something happen, and a call to the like a call to adventure, um, and then things change for Luke from then on. And, and normally what, what makes you, what it makes you feel like is, uh, everything's comfortable and easy. And then something happens and you have this call to adventure. And when you refuse the call, you Mm -hmm. turn back around to like status quo. And that's when you feel all those feelings of like the really existential, what am I doing here? If I'm not going to do that, what am I actually doing? Like, does does my life matter? Am I doing anything at all? And you you're kind of faced with that meaninglessness. Those are all feelings Luke already had before he ever Mm -hmm. met Obi-Wan. And so it almost like it it flips that. So to Luke, it's really, uh, what am I doing? How am I spending my life here? I feel really meaningless. And then there's this call to adventure. And then to him, it's almost like it's flipped. And, uh, the, the real feelings he has about home are revealed where he's like, I actually don't know if I want to get into all of this. Like, yeah. uh, and, and instead of the feelings of like meaninglessness and stuff like that, uh, he's starting to feel like what well, actually is comfortable here. Uh, nothing is going on, like going wrong. And all this stuff that Obi-Wan's explaining that are, that's very, very high stakes. And like mm-hmm. on a galactic scale, he's almost like moisture farming doesn't sound so bad. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, um, well, I can't leave uncle. Owen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's almost like normal story. It's comfortable. There's a call to adventure. It's uncomfortable for Luke. It's uncomfortable. There's a call to yeah. adventure. And then he's comfortable again. He's like, yeah. Oh wait, maybe I don't want to leave, you know? Right. And, and a lot of the refusal of the call doesn't come from Luke personally saying like, I don't want to do this at all. Yeah. A lot of it, which I like comes from Han Solo, which is like an outside point of view. That's like, this isn't all what it's cracked up to be. Like mm-hmm. you don't actually know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to do this yeah. sort of thing. There's also this aspect with Luke where it deepens his character a little bit because at first you're like, okay, this kid's annoying. He just wants to get off. Yeah. He just wants to go. Um, maybe poor choice of words there. He just wants to get off. Maybe you shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> uh, but he just wants to leave. He just wants to get away. And you're like, okay, this kid's annoying. He doesn't want to help out his uncle. Doesn't want to help out his family. And then you realize, okay, like he doesn't want to do those things, but he's doing them. Mm-hmm. And it gives him this kind of, at least a little bit of sense of honor. Yeah. And that it's almost like, yeah, honor, responsibility, purpose, yeah. all things that you're not like, I'm just doing this to have fun. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I'm doing it cause I feel like I need to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, all this stuff is there. It's just Luke is not like Luke is still a kid. He's still learning. He's still figuring out his place in the universe. But mm-hmm. the, the, the basic building levels of a hero are there. Um, and just all of the ways that that Obi-Wan kind of opens up the world to him and talks to him about the Force. He gives him his lightsaber. He talks to him about his father, which is um, a really interesting scene. And you get this feeling that Obi-Wan, after receiving this message to go to Alderaan from Princess Leia, like, you're our only hope. Well, we need you you get this sense that Obi-Wan re- like realizes that Luke isn't here by accident. Mm-hmm. Luke wasn't the one who delivered this message to him by accident. Things are being set into motion. And you get the feeling that Obi-Wan's been here, which you don't really know this yet, that Obi-Wan has been just watching over the Luke this whole time. But um, you get the feeling that he has been here like looking after him maybe and waiting for this moment to happen mm-hmm. all this time. And that's when he asked Luke to come with him. Yeah. Which is just great writing in general. I think they, mm-hmm. they do such a good job of 
of just laying out this hero's journey in this way. And it shows Obi-Wan's relationship with the Force, which is really patient. Exactly, yeah. It's just a massively important thing. It adds a lot of depth to his character, um, especially when that's put up against Darth Vader, which we get a scene, I think it's shortly after this, or maybe it might even be before this, where Darth Vader is sitting on the Death Star um, in a council of a bunch of commanders and generals and grand moffs and all of that. And he has this line where he says, like they're talking about how the Death Star is going to be completed and the, the Emperor is thrown over the Senate and he's like the main guy now. He's making all the decisions. We don't need to worry about the Senate anymore. And Darth Vader says the power of this battle station is insignificant to the, to the power of the Force. And then he uses that power to choke out somebody. Mm-hmm. And you just get this, like at first it's like a view of what the Force can do, but it's also this... Um, it's like Vader's theology of the Force. Yeah, it's a complete and total, a complete and total um, flip of how, of where Obi Wan is with yeah. the Force. Where Obi Wan's talking about how it's this it's this Force that generates life, or life generates it, and it, it surrounds everything and it binds the galaxy together, holds everything together. Like it's doing all of this, and just from context clues of where Obi Wan is, like you see that he's submitting to the Force. And he's he's patient with the force, and he's um, you don't really know this if this is the first time you've seen the movie, but Luke, but Obi Wan has been waiting here for a very long time, mm-hmm. just waiting for the force to do something, and he's fully submitted to it. He he's not using the force in crazy ways. He's not um, using it for personal gain. He's using it for protection and defense, and mm-hmm. to watch over this young boy who he, who mm-hmm. he thinks is a massively important person. Yeah, and he's really not using it. Yeah, he's not using it. Like he's he's being whereas Vader is like leading, guiding, using the force. Yeah. Obi-Wan is like being led by, being guided by, mm-hmm. being used by the force. Yeah. And it's it's that dynamic between those two characters that I think sets up a lot of depth in what the force is. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that later. Um but yeah, then Luke decides to set off after he goes back to his home finds his family's been killed by stormtroopers um and i mean that's a that's a hard thing right your family who raises you even though you know they're not your real family mm-hmm. or they're your real family but you know they're not you know your parents your parents um they're dead and he has to go he has no choice now to set off on this hero's journey this adventure yeah and that's what i think when one of those a lot of the journey is it talks about thresholds yeah. and like crossing certain thresholds and that's definitely one of them it's like there is no normal anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas you came from this place that you kind of, it felt like you had a choice. Like, yeah. am I going to get involved or am I not going to get involved at this point in Luke's life? He's involved no matter what, even yeah. if he decided to stay back home, things would be totally different. Mm-hmm. And so they set off to most Isley, uh, most wretched hive of scum and villainy. Right. And they go to the city, big city. Um, and the original, I will say, so like, how do you feel about all the special edition changes? I don't. You don't like them. I don't. Like I don't them. like them. I don't like them either. But I understand why he did them to Mos Eisley because if you watch the original versions of Mos Eisley, it feels very barren mm-hmm. and empty. And but that's not what they wanted it to be. Yeah, it's supposed to be like this big, like Casablanca. Like it's supposed to be this big city where lots of stuff is going on, and and 
it's supposed to be this first introduction to Luke where it's like, oh my, like what is happening? I've never mm-hmm. been in a place like this. This is, I'm out of my element. I'm, yeah. I'm scared. And you, you get that, like, I get what they're trying to do. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> they did a bad job with all the CGI, but I get it. I get what they're trying to do. Um, and they go into a cantina um, where droids aren't allowed, and they meet, uh, Luke meets two people named, or well, first, let's talk about Obi-Wan does a Jedi mind trick, <laughs> Yeah. right? Knowledge and defense, which is, that's technically from Empire. A Jedi only uses the force for knowledge and defense. But I feel like that's a defensive move, you know? Mm-hmm. He's keeping them from being captured. Um, it might feel a little manipulative, maybe, but, you know, it's for defense. They get into the cantina. He meets Ponda Baba and Dr. Afazan, I think. And he's like, he doesn't like you. And <laughs> they get into a fight. Nobody one cuts some guy's arm off, cuts Ponda Baba's arm off. And as a kid, bro, I was like, Obi-Wan. What? What? Yeah. I think that was like the first time I'd ever seen a human arm, or not, he was not human, but an arm disconnected <laughs> from somebody's body. And I was like, because it looks like hollowed out. If you look at the effect, yeah. it looks hollowed out and there's like jelly coming out of it. And I was like, that's what I have that in my happens? body. <laughs> yeah. um, but I love the cantina scene. It's great. Um, this is where they meet Han Solo and Chewbacca. Um, two of the greatest characters ever. <laughs> we just saw a movie about them. Um, yeah, I love this. I love this whole scene. I love the whole dynamics between Han and Obi-Wan. And Han's like this hotshot guy, kind of what Luke wants to be. Yeah. You know, he kind of represents what Luke wants to be, the pull that Luke feels. He's like, oh, man, this guy's cool. But at the same time, Luke hates him. Like, Luke is so annoyed by him, you mm-hmm. know? Um, which is, I love that they made that decision instead of Luke just, like, being, being like, oh, really, so cool. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's the coolest. <laughs> yeah. Because it's almost that competitive, I want to be you. Like, yeah. there's, there's, you can look up to people that you really like admirable of and and if they have like different skill sets than you you can be like man i really admire this person and they're really like critical to like like just the world in general and i'm glad they're there uh and then there are people with the same skill set as you and you're like wait i want to like i want to do those things Mm -hmm. too and and it seems like there's only like a limited number of spots to do those things and so instead of me just be having this like purely uh like admirable relationship with you it's more like like I respect you so much so that like I want to be you yeah. and I want to be better than you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's so, it's so interesting. Um, but like it kind of is like that Han and Lando dynamic that we just saw in solo, you know, mm-hmm. or like, like Lando's probably like Lando's more established than Han, you know, he's better with the women. He's everything Han kind of wants to be. And Han and him have that like total rivalry going on. And Luke has the same thing where he's like, um, Han, Han talks about, He's like, well, we can get a ship. He's like, who's going to pilot it for you? He's like, you, I'm a pretty I'm good a- pilot. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, he's freaking out. He doesn't like this guy. And Obi-Wan doesn't like this guy either. Like, I love how Obi-Wan just isn't taking his crap. Um, mm-hmm. Just, like, shaking his head, rolling his eyes at him the whole time. Yes. Um, and Han Solo's character is very interesting when it comes to the Force because he represents this, um, which, same thing with a lot of the Empire's commanders, where they talk to Darth Vader about how it's like an old religion, mm-hmm. like a hokey religion, and the Jedi, the last of the Jedi are gone, and you're the last remnant of this ancient thing that doesn't matter anymore. It's not relevant. It mm-hmm. We don't care. We have a Death Star now, um, which is so spot on, I think, for a lot of our world. 
where yeah. we think of mysticism, we think of spirituality and this kind of, it doesn't matter. You try to age it where yeah. if you start talking, if you, if you start using certain vocabulary when it, when it comes to religion, you start thinking like, Oh, that's re- like really old fashioned. Yeah. Or that, that's really from a different time period. Yeah. You devalue it. And mm-hmm. I think that's such a genius thing for George Lucas to put in this film mm-hmm. that the whole, like no one really knows about the force. Uh, Obi-Wan had to tell Luke about it. And Han Solo knows a little bit, but he's like, oh, it's stupid. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, this guy's crazy. I, I'm mm-hmm. just here for the money. I'm not here to help out at all. Um, I just think that that's a great kind of a, a look at our culture, a look at how the world is now, and it's so relevant. And that's something that I think will always keep that original Star Wars relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ideas that are in it, it's, um, it's very well developed. And so, yeah, they decide to uh, join forces and head off on a grand adventure to go to Alderaan. Little do they know. Oh boy. There is no Alderaan anymore <laughs> because the empire has completely obliterated it right in front of princess Leia, who is from there. Um, that sucks, right? <laughs> is that what you would have told princess Leia? Yeah, like, oh man. Oh. That like, can you imagine sucks. the stormtroopers like, oh, God, sheesh. Like, don't look at her. <laughs> <laughs> She just lost her whole her whole planet. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that sucks. <laughs> oh, Stormtroopers. Yeah. Each other. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's it. Just kind of represents like another way that the empire's horrible because it tells right, us. Yeah. It tells us an opening crawl like it can destroy planets. Uh huh. And then, and then it does it. That's what. So. This is a soapbox thing. No, go for it. But everybody that everybody that's like, oh, well, really, the empire just wanted order in the galaxy yeah. and the rebels are terrorists and mm-hmm. they're the ones that blow up this death star and there are millions of people on the death star yeah that, you know innocent and he killed all of them yeah uh can you imagine they all know what they're doing yeah like everybody on the death star they knows. all know what happened they blow up alderaan and then they have to go on with everyday life yeah. like they go to bed they wake up they go to this death star cafeterias mm-hmm. and uh they're like eating together and they're like so we blow we blew up Al- alderaan today yeah Cool, right? Yeah. Like I pressed some buttons to do that. <laughs> you got to imagine so did that you. You got to imagine that there's some like, yeah. Oh God, what do we do? Like or like yeah. into deep feelings of like. There's not. I mean, and and it's not like. Like it's not full of people. Like these the people that work there probably believe in the cause. Yeah. Like you probably think it would be are the a little most elite. Yes. Of all the like the people who believe in the empire right. the most. They're, it's not just these Joes. That are yeah. like Luke, like I'm just looking for a job. Yeah. This is my nine to yeah. five. I'm the janitor, and I sh- yeah. on the Death Star. <laughs> I, I show up and <laughs> I, okay, so I power up one of the four beams yeah. that blows a planet Sue up. Sue me, Sue. That's not even <laughs> the majority of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. So anyway, that I just can't imagine. Like saying, what are the stormtroopers thinking? What is everybody on the Death Star thinking when they right. blow up a planet? They're just like, well, that happened. Uh, nice. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go sleep. What a surprise. How oh. this, this gigantic gun we were building. <laughs> I didn't know this was what it was for. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to imagine it's like the best of the best. People who believe it the most are like super bought into the empire in general. Um, so yeah, Alderaan gets blown up. That's where our heroes are going. So that sets up plot device. They're going to get there to Alderaan, except it's not going to be there and then they'll see a moon and that's no well, moon. it's not, not a moon it's not a moon it's, not a, it's moon. not a moon and then they get caught in the tractor beam pulled into the death stars hangar bay do some through some uh trickery and deceivery <laughs> they steal some 
stormtrooper right. suits, which is so great. Like, which is one of the things. So so far, A New Hope has set the precedent for Rogue One already, right. and uh, the Solo movie already because mm-hmm. he's like I've made this twelve part six. Yeah, like, they are, he's already mentioned that, uh, and it sets the precedent of them sneaking onto where like a place they're not supposed to be. Yeah drawing people in stealing uniforms and then yeah. you have like automatic suspense where you're like you're in this gigantic place you're not yeah. supposed to be in you don't look convincing at all mm-hmm. uh so go ahead do what you're gonna try to do any moment now you're gonna get caught it's, yeah. it could all fall apart and it starts in a it starts in a new hope mm-hmm. and it happens in like every yeah and i love how they're all arguing like the whole time they're just so dysfunctional and they're mm-hmm. all arguing about what to do but like they they're like yeah. their only hope to like, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. 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 And I love how Obi-Wan is just like, Hey, I'm going to go, uh, turn off the, the tractor beam. Good luck. And he's just sneaking around. <laughs> that, yeah. that might be my all time favorite Star Wars scene Yeah, is when the stormtroopers are walking by and They're he just walks, their job. he walks around this gigantic pillar. Yeah. Waits. I love kind the of like something. Yeah. I love the design yeah, of the was, whole place. That was, it that was no made sense. in the blueprints. Yeah. And maybe this was Galen Erso. Hey, but no, that, that hallway pit. that hallway was made for Obi-Wan to hide there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That that was the plan, like the right. thing he was talking about. Yeah, not he didn't know that it was, yeah. <laughs> it was actually like you yeah. could shoot something. I've made a fatal flaw on the Death Star plans. It was the hiding place. <laughs> yeah, it's a hiding place. Great for hide and seek. And then there's just giant pits everywhere. Right. Just that oh, leads yeah. you nowhere. Yeah. And it's and, great. Which great again, hard sci-fi. How does gravity work on that thing? Like which direction are you following? Doesn't, the force. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and so Obi-Wan turns off the tractor beam. Everything works out. They find Princess Leia. There's the incredible shootout scene in the prison cells. Mm. It's great stuff. Classic Star Wars. Um, they find Princess Leia. Uh, a little short for a stormtrooper. Oh, the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Run out. Still firefight. Go into the trash compactor. Great. Great sequence. Love it. Like, mm-hmm. so much fun. Um, it's a beautiful thing. And... Again, you get that kind of fantasy rescue. Yeah. But the added conflict is not that it's this one Prince Charming that's, like, mm-hmm. come to save the day and slay the dragon, Darth Vader. Um, but it's two yeah. that are both, like, from your point of view at this point, viable candidates to, yeah. like, rescue the princess and be the hero. But they're also crappy people. Right. Like, they're and also, they're not- like... Like, Luke is totally... Um, unqualified unqualified <laughs> to be there yeah 100 percent. and then han solo is just a, a jerk yeah and has no interest in actually saving her he just wants money mm-hmm. and that's like the i love that dynamic because then princess leia is like the most noble one out of all of <laughs> yeah. them like she's the only like mm-hmm. they rescue her but then she's just giving him sass the whole time it's great. yeah she gets it immediately like yeah. she's like okay i'm gonna take this opportunity to leave here but it's not like i think you guys are yeah. good people or like which is such a people. great idea to just complete because like they follow the tropes but then they subvert them in little ways like that. Right. Which is genius. It's mm-hmm. so it's so great. Um, so then let's just talk about Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. Right. Massive scene. Yeah, I and, and again one of those where if you've already you've already said this about a few where you're like, I I didn't realize how important this was until later and yeah. things happened. Uh, in the moment, I don't think just because of the way that he died, mm-hmm. you're not like Oh no, he lost and he died. Mm-hmm. And how how could he lose to Darth Vader? And you're really like, there's yeah. no di- there's no despair because he disappears. Yeah. So you know something else is up. Yeah. Which all of this goes back to an earlier scene that we haven't talked about yet, where Luke is training with his little laser ball mm-hmm. on the Falcon, 
and he has the blast um, blast shield over his eyes. He can't see anything, and he's blocking laser bolts with his lightsaber. Um, which, as a kid, you're just like, "Wow, that's awesome!" And like when you get older, you realize like Obi Wan is setting up so much in that scene, especially leading into the the Death Star, where he's gonna ultimately give himself up to die. Mm-hmm. And he he talks to Luke about how you must learn to let go of your conscious self. You must learn to um, let go of your feelings. And so Lucas, he has the thing up and he's, he's trying to block lasers by looking at them and it's not working. And Mm -hmm. so Obi-Wan just tells him to, okay, let go and just use your feelings, use your instincts. Um, which on one point from a script on writing standpoint, it sets up what's going to happen at the end. Mm -hmm. But from another standpoint, it sets up the force and how the force works right in a spiritual way. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah. So you're, you're getting, cause you know, it jumps, it jumps from like good guys, clan, bad guys, clan, like back yeah. and forth where you're like, what's happening with Vader? What's happening with Obi-Wan and Luke? Uh, and the whole time they're both Obi-Wan and Vader are building their view of the force yeah. the entire time. And you start with very little and then you get a little bit from Vader, a little bit from Obi-Wan, a little bit from Vader. And so mm-hmm. the way the movie goes, you're almost led to believe you don't, you kind of have this, conflicting view of the force the whole time, whether you realize it or not. And you are given two options to believe. Is this something that I should just wield and use? Yeah. Uh, Because as seen with Obi-Wan and that, that guy, I could just make people believe things that aren't, that Mm -hmm. like aren't true or, um, or are you someone who is going to be very like submissive to it and let Mm -hmm. go of what you know as hard reality and say, I'm just going to like submit and whatever happens happens. Yeah. But at, so then again, yeah, from a writing standpoint, there's this thing called, uh, some people call it the Q factor, which is something that happens early in the movie that comes back in the climax of the movie. And this is one of them. I think there mm-hmm. are two in A New Hope. And that's in my opinion. I'll mention the other one later, but this is definitely one where he's like, yeah. Luke, like, let pump, go. Pump the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so I'm trying to do this all on your own. I just told you about this massive, like, universal yeah. force that's like leading all things to be the way yeah. they should. Uh, and you're trying to do this on your own. Mm-hmm. Like stop. <laughs> yeah. Which this, this feels like a very Christian idea to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of letting go, the idea of not holding on and trying to do everything yourself and trusting, letting go, not, not necessarily having faith, but allowing yourself to, um, be submitted to the will of something greater than you, mm-hmm. the will of the force. And I, I think that's a very Christian idea to me. And the Force has a lot of different spiritualities mixed into it. Um, but I think that's one of the most Christian things about the Force. Um, and and it's just a very interesting scene in general. Obi-Wan is just setting up this whole idea of the dark side versus the light side. Where he doesn't really talk about it to Luke here. And Yoda talks a lot more in the second movie about the that dynamic between the dark side and the light side. Um, he Obi Wan talks about earlier how Darth Vader was seduced by the dark side, and it's kind of generated this split fan this split in the fandom about what people think about the Force. How some people think of it as a duality thing where there's dark and there's light, and you can follow the dark side or you can follow the light side. Um, and it, it's like there's two sides to the force, as if one side, there, as if one side's not more the force than the other side. And I, I just don't think that from the original trilogy, 
that that's how it works. For me, what I get is the light side is the force. It's not necessarily the light side as if that's the designation for it. It's the force. And the force has a will and it will lead you if you follow. And then the dark side is the bastardization of the force. It's the taking control of the force and using the force, that, that good benevolent force and energy for your own means. Mm-hmm. And I think of it more as a cancer that needs to be destroyed than just like another side to the force. Hmm. It's, a, it's a way to use the force and abuse it um, and take control of it instead of letting yourself be controlled by it. Hmm. And I just, I don't, I don't get the whole duality thing in this movie. Like there is the duality of Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan. Um, but it just seems like the force is on the side of Obi-Wan and Luke. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if it, if it was truly neutral and if the force didn't care which way or the other, I just don't think. I don't think that it would end like it does. I don't hmm. think that this movie would end like it does. I don't think that things would be set up like they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is tough. I, I, I definitely feel like, yeah, it is, it is one of those, because you could almost cut like duality. The, 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 the problem with duality, thinking of it as a duality is if you think of it like a sword mm-hmm. and there's like two like two edges to a sword right, and, right. and that like you it's something like a weapon that you could use for good or it's a weapon that you could use for bad mm-hmm. the issue with comparing it to something like that is that on one hand it does definitely relate to the way the dark side treats the force as a tool or a weapon to like yeah. use it for evil but it's not that's not how the light side views the force it's not like Oh, this is a weapon mm-hmm. and I'm admitting that it's a weapon and I'm going to use it for good things. You put yourself in submission underneath it. So yeah. it's hard to find a good metaphor for, for what be, I think because it's such a boiling pot of so many different yeah. like worldviews that it's hard to say like, Oh, it is, it is this thing. Like yeah. it is exactly like this thing because there's a, there's a lot of individuality, individuality to it. And there's a lot of like universalism to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of using it and wielding it. And there's a lot of being led by it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's hard to say like, Oh, it is exactly this thing, but there are yeah. qualities. And I think that that is true. Like there, there is this view of the dark side that, um, if there really is a duality, it's not just, pure it shouldn't be just pure destruction because then it would just if the dark side had its way it would just destroy itself yeah and what uh, like what yeah what end is that you know what i mean yeah and i mean there's hints in the movies that the dark side is leeching like when you go that path you get stronger but it takes from you Mm -hmm. like there's a price to the dark side so and that just leads me to think that that's not the original like that's not the way that you should go. That's not how it's meant to be. Because mm-hmm. um, if it was meant to be like that, it wouldn't take from you like that. Right. And if they are just these two equal forces, then what you have is on one side, like all of the resources, all of the equipment, yeah. the, the chosen one on mm-hmm. one side. And then on the other side, these nobodies like, like yeah. farm boy, old man. Yeah guy uh, Han Solo who's not really committed to it and no resources, no ships, mm-hmm. like no military. No, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it really is just like equal forces battling it out, shouldn't the dark side have won? <laughs> you yeah, know? exactly. And that's, that's my whole argument. I think that the, the force is the force. There's no light side to it. It just is light. Um, and the dark side's like a cancer that's leeching off of it. 
and taking from it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't like the dark side. It wants its will is for there to be no dark side. Mm-hmm. Hence the whole central um, narrative of the entire saga, which is the balance of the force. Mm-hmm. And I think the balance of the force, some people take that as equal parts light, equal parts dark. And I take that as no dark side, hmm. dark side um, taken care of for now. And the force is able to have balance again. Yeah. Almost like saying someone has like a balanced health. Yeah. It's not like you're half healthy, half completely yeah. unhealthy. Yeah. Which <laughs> it's like Buddhism, Buddhism is a, that's a prevalent thing in Buddhism. It's in Buddhism. It's not balances in dark and light. It's balances and everything's good in the universe. It's almost like balanced to systems. Yes. Where they're really delicate and fragile and can be manipulated and taken over. Yeah. And so balance is just like the more, like the natural um, original intent to how this was supposed to go. Right. And not that like unhealth or like imbalance uh, or like broken systems. Yeah. Um, And so... Obi-Wan fights Darth Vader and he says, you can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Um, And this sets up just another way that I think this whole story kind of ties in with the gospel and with Christian themes is the idea of sacrificing yourself um, for your friends, which is, I think, massively important. It it is massively important in Christianity. Um, It's massively important to Jesus. And Obi-Wan does this here. And he just kind of, when I first saw this as a kid, I was so utterly confused because he just puts his lightsaber up, gets cut through and he disappears. Mm. And I have no idea what's going on. And he like looks at Luke, gives him this knowing look. And it's, it's an intentional sacrifice. Like, um, we don't know who would have won in the end, probably Darth Vader because he had more people. Obi-Wan's not invincible, but Obi-Wan just kind of gives himself up. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, Obi-Wan knows he's not going to be able to reach Luke in time. He knows what he has to do. And he also is presenting to Darth Vader this reality that you think you can win this way, but you ha- I have something that you can't touch. Mm-hmm. I have something that you have no understanding of, you have no power over, you can't manipulate it or control it, and I'm about to show it to you and blow your mind. And then there's also this level to it where he's like, I know I can't get to Luke, but I need to train him. He's, he's, the, he's the chosen one. And I have to help him in some way. And I know it's not, I know I'm not gonna be able to get to him. Mm -hmm. And so he looks at Luke and almost as this like lesson, this final lesson, he gives himself up Hmm. with Luke watching. Luke doesn't understand it. Luke freaks out. No, (laughs) starts shooting. Um, Darth Vader stepping through and Luke, luckily, even though nobody can hit Luke, Uh. uh, hits the door, jams it. Darth Vader can't come through. And then you hear, run, Luke, hmm. run. Yeah. And that's the moment as a kid when I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. And it just opens up this whole new world about the force. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really might start believing, although you're led to this point to believe Darth Vader is a super menacing villain. Yeah. That's just super powerful. You're led to believe like maybe Obi-Wan's right. Yeah. Maybe Obi-Wan has this thing figured out. Yeah. Um, and the ex- then there's the escape scene, which I just love this scene when Han and Luke are both in the in the guns and they're shooting mm-hmm. down the TIE fighters. It's just, oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> which, again, is a like, recurring scene through the yeah. whole rest of the Star Wars franchise. Because it's so like, good. Like, you yep. can immediately tap into that nostalgia. Yep. The little, the little uh, I don't know what you would call them. Um, Turrets? Yeah, the 
a, the view. Oh like, yeah, like yeah. the little viewfinder in the yeah. turret with the, the little the red, red grid. Yeah, iconic. It's every every movie doesn't matter. Yeah, I would literally build a pillow fort for myself as a kid and reenact that scene <laughs> while I was watching yes. it. It was great. Um, and so they escape, and Luke, Luke is just torn up. He's he's honestly more torn up about losing Obi Wan than he was about um, his aunt and uncle. Which honestly, it makes sense. Even though Leia is like comforting him after she just lost a planet, right? Mm-hmm. Her, all of her people are gone. Leia's a little bit more stronger than Luke. Like Leia's a stronger character than Luke. Yeah. Uh, Luke's fragile, and Luke just lost what he thinks is his only connection to his father. Mm-hmm. Um, like his only connection to this wider world that he was taking his first steps, and everything seemed like it was going great, and then he loses, uh, which is an important hero's journey thing, um, and so. They get to Yavin 4, they deliver the plans, come up with this amazing plan to destroy the Death Star. That's one in a million. Probably not gonna work, but it definitely is gonna work because you know it's a movie and it has to end happily. And Luke did shoot little animals on a planet one time. Yes, swamp rats. So he could also do this exact analog yeah. shooting yeah. <laughs> shooting this thing that nobody's ever made before. I would have liked it better before. if they left out that line, yeah. even though I love that line, because if they like, that makes it seem as if Luke thinks he can do it on his own, yeah. whereas if you have the Obi-Wan scene with him letting go only, then it's like, uh-huh. oh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they come up with this massive plan to shoot a little tiny area on the Death Star and hope it blows up. Thank you, Galen Erso. Yeah, thank you, Galen Erso. And so um, Luke Luke readies up and he goes and talks to Han and Han's taken off. He's like, hey man, like I'm just in this for the money. <laughs> I gotta go take care of stuff. So this is the second Q factor okay. and from my point of view. The first one is, uh, so you know the climax. This isn't like a, we're moving yeah, in a linear way. Years ago. Uh, yeah, uh, Luke, Goes through the through the little tunnel. Mm-hmm. Obi Wan's like, Luke, like, do what I told you to, you idiot. Yeah, and <laughs> that's verbatim. That's yeah, the line. That's great. And uh, great and he does it. So it's like it's callback to this thing that happened earlier in the movie, where you with Luke are being taught, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I remember when that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I should do that. Right. Just before that, uh, you have uh, X wings getting shot down and wedge piecing out yeah like, get out of here wedge you're no yeah. good to a stand and he's like okay uh well, and, then, and, then, and then uh his friend bigs dark layer gets shot down right next to him yeah he's like, oh, God. oh <laughs> you get out of here bigs <laughs> get out of here, um and then vader is chasing luke and and that that's the point where you're like oh luke can't shoot backwards mm-hmm. like what's gonna happen and han comes back in and gets vader off of luke's tail yeah uh, in a way that that frees luke up to be able to like do the thing like fin- yeah. finish the job and uh at that point you really question like wait wait who's the protagonist luke's mm-hmm. the protagonist right but han's the one that really like yeah. set the scene up to to the goals accomplished and it goes back to the scene where you're talking about han's about to yeah. leave and he's like oh i'm just I'm yeah. going to get out of here. I was in it for the money anyway. I'm not really bought mm-hmm. into the whole rebellion thing. Mm-hmm. And Luke's like, you really should come back. Yeah. Like you really should think about this. You really should consider this. And I think, think thinking about Luke's character arc, this was someone who at the beginning wanted to join the empire, like mm-hmm. we mentioned, and then got to a point where he's like, I've been exposed to so much of this that I actually do believe in the cause. It matches yeah. up with my like personal want to like have this big purpose fulfilled. And then at the same time, it's like, we need everybody we can get. You, yeah. sh- you should really consider coming back 
and then Han comes back. So uh, where, as in that last climactic scene, it seems like Han just freely decides I'm going to do this and Han kind of saves the day. Right. It really was Luke like pestering him saying like, no, like think about this. Don't yeah. just leave. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you see like Han invites Luke to be part of his crew. So you see the camaraderie there that's mm -hmm. been formed, even though at the beginning they hated each other. And now Luke's yeah. like, I understand you. I hate that you're leaving. I'm, I'm mad, but like, I understand you as a character. Like, I, I get it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, this is one of the greatest messages that's in, I think, every Star Wars movie, which is coming through for your friends. Mm -hmm. Like, in just, Star Wars is for kids. Like, let's just be real. It's for kids and it has messages in it that are supposed to help kids and teach kids things. And the idea of coming through for your friends is in every single Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. And this is the first aspect of it. It's probably the best one. Yeah. It's the most successful for sure. Because um, Luke tries to do it in the next one. That's not very successful. But um, uh, yeah, he tries. He tries. He tries to be like Han Solo. He just can't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Luke then sets out in his X-Wing and gives us one of the greatest scenes in cinema history, which mm -hmm. is the final attack on the Death Star. And it's just it's yes. incredible. Again, like, very hard sci-fi. Yeah. Shoots directly straight right. down. Yeah. Perpendicular. Yeah. <laughs> they have to wait to get across the building or across yes, the, the this hole, planet. The vent, the vent yeah. It. Even though they could just blow up the bigger planet and it would, since it's a gas giant, it would probably take out that, that planet too. But it's fine. Don't it's listen. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and so there's 30 minutes. 30 minutes they have to go take down this thing before it's finally in range to blow up their entire base. Uh, they're putting it on a skeleton crew of X-Wings and and uh, Y-Wing bombers. And it's incredible. Like, the mm -hmm. scene is just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's everything, like, the, the lack of music in certain parts, the intensity, the length of it. Um, like, that. this is another one of those quiet moments. Like, there's a lot of quiet moments in this movie, um, in this scene, where in the newer movies, the action is very snappy. Everything's happening. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, there's constant cutting mm -hmm. away from things. And this movie has a lot of quietness to it. And it has a lot of quiet moments in this really intense yeah. scene. And those quiet moments build the intensity of what's going on. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, I like that you are left with a success. Mm -hmm. They definitely do destroy the Death Star. That was their goal. They yeah. accomplished a goal. And it ends with like this celebratory like mm -hmm. medal ceremony. Right. I think that is one of the most realistic parts of the movie is the feeling you're left with at the end where on one hand you feel like I totally accomplished my goal. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what I wanted to do. This is a good day. Yeah. Uh, and on the other hand, it almost feels like you're just knocking fruit off the tree. Yeah. And you, you definitely did destroy this death star, but you see Vader get knocked away. Yeah. You don't see him alive. die. Yeah. Uh, you did destroy the Death Star, but you didn't destroy the people who dreamed up the Death Star. Yeah. And so there's this this feeling that you're left with that's, it's over, but it's not over. Yeah. Like it's over for now, but it's going to come back. Yeah. And it's almost like this, it's not over until the whole thing's over feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like that because you, it's not, we save the day once and for all, nothing ever is going to go wrong ever again. Because right. that's how life is. That mm -hmm. you uh, you have like highs and lows, there are reasons to celebrate and you celebrate and there are reasons to mourn and you mourn. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, it's not this daily 
raise the stakes on the galactic level. And if you just do this one thing, everything's going to be fine after that. This is not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this whole scene is amazing and you're totally right. Like it, it's, it sets up like it's its own fully contained movie and it sets up the next one Mm -hmm. just because of that, just because the empire is not done. It's not destroyed. Um, and so this leads us into, I think what's going to be just our final push is Luke Skywalker blowing up the death star and he's he's going he's in the tunnel we already talked like he sends away wedge Briggs gets blown up he's all alone um han solo comes in blows up two x-wings and then darth vader spins away going what what (laughs) yeah it's total i love it because it's so classic like saturday morning cartoon yes how the villain is always like it's like he's standing at a like he's standing at a podium like what is this (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's so then Luke, um, like Luke is hearing Obi-Wan this whole time. And he's like, Luke, mm-hmm. use the force, Luke. <laughs> and it's just, oh, it gives me chills just thinking about it. And Luke realizes like he, the only way he can make this shot, because two people have gone, I think, before, or maybe just one, and mm-hmm. missed. And so this is his last hope. And he's like, okay, I got my targeting computer out. And he's like, okay, I can just trust in these instruments. I can trust in myself. I can try to make this shot. Because Luke's a hothead, you know, mm-hmm. letting go is not a good, is not an easy thing for him to do. Um, it's not something that comes natural to him. He he likes to be in control. He likes to um, do things himself, and he has to let go in this moment. And Obi Wan's telling him to let go, and he lets go. He turns off his targeting computer, which my wife loves the scene. She's like, it's so ridiculous. If you're the re- rebellion leaders, and you're like. Uh, he turned off his targeting computer. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> Luke, are you okay? <laughs> like, but well, what can you do? Can yes. you like turn it on remotely? <laughs> Please use this. Uh, it's a 10 minute scene of them both pushing the buttons. Um, and he lets go of everything. He submits himself to the will of the force and he fires. And there's that moment where he fires and it goes in. And he's like, <sighs> breathes out. Just classic, iconic. Han Solo, woo! Mm-hmm. Great shot, kid. One in a million. Mm-hmm. They fly away. It's just great. It's yeah. just great Star Wars. So then you're matched with where Vader flies away, not dead. You have yeah. a dose of dread. Mm-hmm. Then Luke finally utilizes the Force in a mm-hmm. way that he, that he's been taught to. Yeah. He's not a Jedi yet. He's not like a master by any means. Yeah. He doesn't really know how to use it or, or what all the benefits are. But you get a dose of hope to right. match the, the dose of despair that's like oh like it's it's a start it's this is really foundational yeah the thing i love about these movies is how the restraint that they use when it comes to the force it'd be so easy for them to i feel like if it was made now the same movie if star wars was never made it was made now um unfortunately i feel like the trend would be to make the force this power thing mm-hmm. and make the force all about wizard battles mm-hmm. and things like that. But the force is used with such restraint in this and it really highlights like all it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's not just a power thing. It's not just about being a wizard. It's, it's a, it's a spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. You're being used by it. You're submitting yourself to it and you're letting it run your destiny and you're trusting it. Hmm. Um, and I, I honestly cannot wait for next week. I think the empire strikes back. Uh, I think you can make the case that The Empire Strikes Back might be the most spiritual out of any Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, and next week we're going to get into a lot of 
really amazing things about Star Wars, a lot of really interesting things that George Lucas brings up that I think are extremely relevant for our society today and just for humans in general. I think mm -hmm. they're amazing lessons that kids have to know. Um, and this week just sets up next week's, this, this movie, New Hope, just sets up the next one really well, but it also teaches us a lot about the Force. It teaches us that um, that Star Wars is about is about having faith and submission. It's about um, good versus evil, and not submission as in like it's it's about submitting yourself to something greater, and trusting and having faith. And um, it's just an incredible movie, and mm -hmm. I think that's that's something uh, that all great stories need is that spiritual element that connects into something greater, and that reminds us of things mm -hmm. and give us images of things that we know and love and, and things that we might have always known or maybe don't know, mm -hmm. um, which is just that spiritual element of the Lord. And Star Wars does it, I think, almost as well as Narnia does it and Lord of the Rings does it. It's just one of those franchises that's built itself off of that depth. Yeah. There's one more thing. I can't believe I didn't already say this. Uncle Owen. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was great. Um, all right, so that's it for us. Make sure you come back next week. We're going to be going over The Empire Strikes Back. It's the best Star Wars movie. It's number one in both of our rankings. It's the best movie. It's the best, best movie ever. <laughs> ever. Fight me, you won't. All right. all right, see you guys.